this is Laren Baker, and welcome to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today, we're chatting with Chris Drew of Ocean Mist Farms. With family farming roots dating back nearly a century, Ocean Mist Farms began in Castroville, California, when Daniel Pieri, Amerigo and Angelo Del Ciero, and Alfred Titino joined forces in 1924. Their business venture took root. Castroville is now known as the artichoke capital of the world, and as CEO and president, Chris oversees the largest grower of fresh artichokes in the United States. I am so excited to welcome Chris to the podcast. Hey, Chris. Hey, well, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Today's episode is really different because I actually spent the day in Ocean Mist Farms in the fields harvesting artichokes, learning about the harvest and production and packaging. And your interview is the first in person. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Well, how'd you do out there? That's the first question. Um, I need a lot more practice. <laughs> well, hey, we're glad to have you back anytime. Oh my gosh. You wouldn't want me back. I would like literally <laughs> last like 30 minutes and then I'd be like, I'm tired. Actually, well, we'll talk about the harvest part. It's very hard work. I always start by asking, what's the first thing that you ever cooked and about how old were you? Oh man. Well, the first thing that I ever cooked was definitely something sweet. Uh, I do have a sweet tooth and I, I remember being in a uh, talent competition in fifth grade cooking brownies. Aw, did you win? I did actually. <gasps> you did? Yes. What's yeah. the winning recipe? What made it so good? A lot of chocolate. <laughs> Okay, that sounds good. Fair enough. Um, will you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your journey to Ocean Mist Farms? Sure. So uh, I grew up in South San Jose uh, when there was actually farming and agriculture uh, operations before blacktop and buildings. Uh, and I got my interest in farming and agriculture from my paternal grandfather who operated a corn and soybean farm in central Illinois. And I had never visited the farm until I was about 15 years old, and the family uh, went back for Thanksgiving and walked out on the ranch, and it was right then that I knew that this was a career path that I wanted to follow. Uh, both of my parents are retired educators, and they were both high school teachers in the San Jose area, and my father had a relationship uh, with a gentleman who had taken on his own career path in the Gilroy, California area. And they were growing vegetable transplants. So a vegetable transplant is very similar to a, a marigold or a flower that you buy at Lowe's and you plant in your garden. A very similar concept for vegetable transplants. Uh, they're grown in similar trays and then brought out to the field mm -hmm. and planted as opposed to utilizing direct seed. It allows us to grow uh, crops quicker and bring them to harvest faster than if they were planted uh, as direct seed. And so I took a job there uh, right after I graduated from high school when I was about 18 years old. And I'll never forget it because high school is you know, one of those uh, uh, adventures where you're trying to figure out you know, why you're taking certain classes and how you're going to use them in everyday life. And one of those courses was Spanish. And so I thought, oh, you know, after high school, I'm never going to need this again. Mm -hmm. And uh, first day on the job, uh, my uh, foreman, my supervisor at the time, dropped me off with uh, an irrigation crew, and he just looked at me and said, I hope your Spanish is good. Oh, boy. <laughs> I thought, well, why would he say that? 
uh, well, very soon after I realized that if I was going to have a career and succeed in agriculture, I was going to learn how to, uh, how to speak Spanish quite fluently, which I, I do today. And uh, so I started my career there um, and uh, would return uh, during summer and winter breaks. I was going to Cal Poly. And when I finished my degree in crop science from Cal Poly, uh, I took a job back with the same nursery called Head Start Nursery and relocated to their Coachella Valley uh, growing area, which is just about 30 miles south of Palm Springs here in the California desert. Uh, coincidentally, it's where we locate uh, during our winter production uh, here at Ocean Mist Farms. I was familiar with Ocean Mist and my desire, my passion has always been in production agriculture. And so in 2004, uh, I took a, a job here at uh, one of our, our growing entities called Sea Mist Farms and uh, began my career uh, operating the planter, uh, working with our planting and cultural crews, um, and then pursued uh, and continued my career into the irrigation side uh, of the farming, and then later took on uh, the role of production manager and held that role for 12 years. Uh, then moved into the operation side as the vice president of operations here for all of our post-harvest cooling operations then to our COO, and here I am as the CEO today. So it, it's been quite, quite an adventure. Wow, that's quite a trip. <laughs> and all starting from small little plants, and you're just growing just like the artichokes. <laughs> yep, exactly, yeah. So Ocean Mist, I love the rich family history behind the brand, the company. Can you tell everybody a little bit more about the families that founded it and if they're still working with the company today? Sure, so the four families that founded Ocean Mist, uh, there are uh, two originals that are, are still uh, in the business and participating today. Uh, and and we have two other outside families uh, who are owners of Ocean Mist and are involved at the board level. Um, the culture here at Ocean Mist has always been family oriented and it's really been a feeling that we all have as employees as that we're part of the family and that was disseminated uh, from the top down and it was really a culture that you know everybody knew everyone everyone knew what the goal was and, and that's still how we operate today we all work together for shared success uh, and you can feel it uh, from the ranch to the office to our cooling operations everybody feels like they're part of the success here at ocean mist and, and that's what makes it fun that's what gets you out of bed every morning is that we get to come to work and and have fun and I always like to say, you know, that um, you know we're we're backyard gardeners just on a very large scale, but uh, we enjoy what we do and we have fun with it. So, speaking of family, last night at dinner, I asked a few people what the lore was in terms of who brought the first artichoke plant to this valley? Did it come in a suitcase? Was it seed? Was it a plant? Do you happen to know the story? I don't. It, it's, it's, it is a mystery. Um, I've heard that they they came around the time of the gold rush uh, in the mid-1800s and uh, were planted along the hills of South San Francisco. And as the demand for housing and land increased in that particular area, the growers were continuing to look for a favorable climate to grow the artichokes. Mm -hmm. And they ended up here uh, in the Castroville area known as the artichoke center of the world. Uh, but I don't know if it was in a suitcase, a bag, you know, somehow it just you know, mysteriously arrived. So what is it about 
this area that makes it ideal for growing artichokes. It has a very unique microclimate. Uh, the Castroville area is located at the centermost point of the Monterey Bay. And so we have a, a real coastal influence and microclimate. Uh, that we experience here in the in the summertime where our daytime and nighttime temperatures are very similar uh, probably around you know 58 degrees on the low side about 65 degrees on the high side and the artichokes just love it and this is a climate where they thrive um, and continually produce and have been for nearly a hundred years so normally we think of artichokes as a springtime vegetable sometimes with what I learned today, sometimes a Thanksgiving harvest, at least with the heirloom variety, but how are you able to do and maintain a year-round, I know you have Coachella as another growing region, what other growing regions do you, uh, do you have? Uh, we grow uh, artichokes year-round here in the Castroville area uh, and uh, will continue to do so. Uh, really, we have developed the artichoke to, to grow year-round. Artichokes were a seasonal vegetable, generally from about November through May, uh, and then they would really have a decline in volume and weren't readily available. Uh, our shoppers and retail partners asked us you know, what we could do to utilize our techniques to grow nice good quality artichokes the gold standard artichokes mm -hmm. uh, throughout the year and so we've worked with our in-house plant breeders to use some of the genetics that we have from our old country varieties the heirloom green globe variety that was originally brought to this region and have developed artichokes that can grow throughout the state of california and we utilize the different weather patterns and climates across the state uh, to move artichokes into the Oxnard region and then down into the Coachella Valley where we farm in the wintertime, uh, November through March, and then we come back up here to the Castorville region. But it's really about having that, that standardized gold standard artichoke that Ocean Mist is known for that has that flavor profile that our consumers uh, expect when they buy an artichoke. Mm. I want to talk about the different varieties that you guys grow, but first, can you, let's take a step back. For people who may not know, can you explain what an artichoke is? Because we call it a vegetable, but technically it's... Well, it is the official state vegetable of exactly. California. Exactly, right. So we'll call it a vegetable. <laughs> okay. But, um, but when you're eating an artichoke, an artichoke is a member of the thistle family. Mm -hmm. And essentially, you are eating an immature flower bud when you eat an artichoke. And if you haven't seen an artichoke flower, I suggest you Google one because it is absolutely beautiful when it opens up, the nice purple center that it has. Um, but we're in the business of providing those great artichokes for consumer consumption and those artichoke lovers out there. And so we prefer if you eat the immature flower bud and not let it go to flower. Okay, so there's the globe that you mentioned. Correct. We touched upon the heirloom, and then there's also purple that we encountered today. Can you just describe the differences between the different varieties that we encounter today? Sure. So the our Green Globe variety is the, the old variety. It's our heirloom variety that was originally brought here in the early 1920s. Uh, we have adapted an annual variety, which is called our globe variety. And the variety was really developed to provide large size artichokes throughout the year. So 365 days a year, you can find a large size artichoke in a retail market of your choice. 
And the purple artichoke is a new variety that we've just started growing over the past couple of years. And we've utilized the same profile, flavor profile, that our original heirloom variety has. And it's a great tasting variety. It's definitely a conversation piece when it's on your dinner plate. And if you haven't had one, we suggest that you try one uh, because they are seasonal at this time and uh, really just really enhance that, uh, that talking piece on your dinner plate. Yeah, we had some last night, which was prepared beautifully. It was grilled and it was absolutely delicious, but it does taste a little different than the globe. It does. It does. It does taste a little bit different from the globe. And I would say that it's very similar to our original heirloom variety mm -hmm. from a flavor component. And that's our next goal is to take that same flavor profile and get it into the globe artichoke. Mm. Because that's really that, that, that feeling and that flavor uh, that the, the artichoke consumers that know old artichokes, they, they know what they're looking for. Mm. And so if you haven't tried that purple one, that's the, that's the ticket. So what was interesting to me today was learning the differences between growing the heirloom versus the annual, the globes, and the purples. Could you just describe that process? Sure. So the heirlooms are grown on a, a perennial cropping system. And those that aren't familiar with a perennial cropping system, it's very similar to growing uh, an orchard. So an almond orchard, walnut, citrus. Uh, it's a plant that stays in the same place for a long period of time. And our heirloom artichokes are actually grown on the same ground that they have been for nearly 20 years. And so they occupy that piece of ground for that duration of time. We don't farm anything else in that particular location. Mm -hmm. uh, an annual or globe artichoke is grown very similar to a row crop production. So broccoli, cauliflower, or iceberg lettuce. It's farmed one time on that piece of ground. Uh, we'll harvest it about eight to 10 times, uh, and then we will turn the, the vegetative plant matter back into the soil, uh, which actually adds to the nutrient value of that soil. And then we'll grow another crop in that same acre uh, the next couple of seasons before we come back to artichoke. So the heirlooms stay in the same spot uh, for a given period of years. The annuals are just one cropping cycle. And the purple artichokes are farmed similar to the annual varieties as well. Yeah, that was so interesting because I guess in terms of rotating the crops it's more beneficial and then of course your yield you can just you can do so much more with that one piece of land right right in a given season very true so the 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 land cost out here uh, in the state of california is very expensive uh, for for farming purposes and whenever you can farm two crops on the same piece of ground you can keep your cost down and mm -hmm. the the lower that we can keep our cost is the lower that consumers and shoppers can can pay for vegetables and so as long as we can help control our costs on our side then the retail partners should be able to control their costs for the ultimate consumer on their side and the crop rotation is very important important because with a crop rotation you build soil health and so as you're returning organic matter or vegetative matter to the soil, it's very similar to composting. And as that organic matter breaks down in the soil, it's a more sustainable approach to farming because it's less synthetic fertilizer that we have to use to produce a quality crop. Mm -hmm. We were also talking about cover crops that, that you guys use because artichokes aren't the only thing that you grow. There are many other commodities. Maybe we should talk about that for a little bit. Because even though artichokes are the star of the show, they're 
only a smaller percentage of all the other things that you grow. So maybe you could describe Very that. Very true. So Ocean Mist is known for our artichokes, of course, uh, but we do also farm you know, 20 other commodities. Uh, so we, we farm all your cool season vegetables, broccoli, cauliflower, spinach, celery, uh, the leaf lettuces. Uh, and we also do some processing, value-added processing of Brussels sprouts, broccoli, and cauliflower as well. Uh, and so we do have a, a wide, wide variety of commodities that we offer uh, under the Ocean Mist brand. And that's really what we're marketing. We're marketing the, the Ocean Mist story, who we are, what our values are. And we, we really demonstrate quality in all we do, whether it's growing artichokes or growing iceberg lettuce or growing leaf lettuce. We, we really employ the gold standard in everything that we do. And many of the employees that uh, and folks that uh, toured you around today, I'm sure we're, we're really sharing that same value and culture that we have here at Ocean Mist. I've noticed that you guys, um, you have a bit of longevity with your employees, like people who've been here 20 years or, or more. And so that's really nice to hear. I think that always speaks to a company when, when employees have been here for a long time. Yes, we do. We have some employees that have been here over 50 years. And uh, it's, again, it's getting back to, you know, enjoying what you do. And I think that, you know, as long as everyone is sharing in the success, they feel as they're a member of the family. We value the opinions of everyone across the organization. The folks out there have some of the best ideas that we can employ to continually improve our organization at Ocean Mist Farms. Okay, we have to talk about the workers in the field who are harvesting. They are some of the strongest people I've ever met or seen. It's challenging work, but could you describe the process? Like I got to put the canasta on and try it myself, but if you could just describe it for everyone, that'd be sure. great. Sure, so artichokes are uh, one of the only vegetables that we farm uh, that is not using a harvest aid. So when we're harvesting cauliflower, broccoli, or lettuce, we are using a harvest aid that rolls through the field uh, where we're packing the product into the carton uh, and then uh, palletizing onto a trailer. Uh, artichokes, since they are harvested multiple times, the, the crew actually walks through the field with a rather large backpack on their back called a canasta, and they'll trim the artichokes that are ready for harvest, and they will toss them over their shoulder into a, a backpack. Uh, and that bag, when it's full of artichokes, can weigh nearly 100 pounds. So the strength that these folks have in their legs and, and core is just something else because I, I've tried it multiple times and, and I make it about half a pass before I, uh, I need to uh, take a little bit of a breather. Uh, but they, they enjoy what they do, uh, and it is. It's very hard work, and they're rewarded for their job. It's also interesting to see that Yes, that's done manually, but of course technology plays a huge role. And today we got to see the robot from FarmWise that can identify a weed versus an artichoke. So right. How has the technology changed since you've been with the company and in, in how it's played a role in the farming? Oh, the technology has changed exponentially. And you know, one of the one of the most dangerous phrases in business is oh, that's the way we've always done it, and that's mm -hmm. the way we're going to continue to do it. Uh, we need to adapt to change, and that's really what we've done in embracing technology. Uh, labor is very expensive here in the state of California, and it's very difficult to find uh, employees that want to come out and, and do uh, this type of work. And we really work hard uh, from an educational uh, front 
to really get to the to the high schools and the colleges and really uh, describe what what value there is a career in agriculture uh, but when we're looking at the the labor components that are there and we need to look at ways where we can be more efficient in our business uh, one of those is hoeing weeds. Uh, the last thing that you ever want to do is let a weed go to seed in your field because a weed is nearly like a pest. The, the more seed that spreads, the longer it's going to take to get rid of it. And so utilizing the tools such as FarmWise have allowed us to cut down on the number of crews that we have and employ being out there hoeing weeds and really focus on the areas of the business uh, where we need to continue to, to look for a, a manual approach. So in terms of technology, irrigation is another area where you guys really use it. What are some ways that you are able to conserve water or or just address the water shortage issue? Sure. Yeah, in the state of California, here we are again in a drought, uh, and that's one of the areas that the state really needs to address as far as water storage capacity, off-stream storage. It seems that we'll have you know a year where we get decent rainfall and the reservoirs fill up, and then it's either utilized for um, you know irrigation purposes or municipalities, uh, but we don't ever address retaining more. And so we in agriculture, who are probably the the largest users of water in the state, uh, have to look for sustainable ways that we can minimize the amount of water that we're using. And here uh, in the Castroville area, the Salinas area, uh, we have a very low evapotranspiration rate. And what that means, that's the amount of water that's taken up by a plant and then evaporated back into the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And it's really driven by this cool coastal climate that we have. And that's one of the reasons why we focus our farming here in the northern Monterey Bay, uh, because we have one, we can grow a higher quality crop with less water. Uh, and we utilize the drip tape uh, for uh, water delivery to the actual plant. Drip tape has allowed us to cut down on our water usage probably by over 70%. Uh, we're wow. delivering water to the direct root zone of the plant. Uh, we're not delivering water to areas that uh, aren't being utilized by crop production. So. Um, utilizing that using moisture sensors, understanding when crops need to be watered. Uh, we don't irrigate based on a, a calendar. Uh, it's we only water when the crop needs it. And so tomorrow uh, we're expecting uh, potential rainfall. And so any irrigation that we had scheduled for today, we're just going to hold off and see what Mother Nature delivers us. But it's about being strategic. You know, we want to be able to conserve the resources that we have. Uh, we want to be able to sustain our business, uh, both as stewards of the land and be able to continue to grow crops here in the state of California. Yeah, such a challenge. But speaking of Mother Nature, we have to talk about the frost-kissed artichokes. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever heard of it. So please tell everyone about it because I think it's so interesting. Sure. So frost-kissed artichokes are available at times of the year when we experience frost. And anybody that has ever gotten a bad sunburn knows what it's like to, to blister and, and peel. And the artichoke is essentially doing the same thing. And so as the frost sets up on the outer petals of the artichoke, 
uh, it actually burns the outer epidermal layer. There's a waxy cuticle uh, on uh, most plants and on the artichoke bracts are no different. And so the ice gets in between that outer cuticle and the next uh, layer of plant material and it bubbles and blisters. And what that does is it actually shocks the plant. It puts the plant into a, uh, a stress response or stress mechanism. And the plant thinks that it's either dying or has been stressed. And when that happens, the plant's trying to carry on a future generation. And so the plant goes into a mechanism of wanting to set seed. And when it's doing that, it starts to convert the carbohydrates in the plant to sugar at a higher rate, which actually give the artichoke a sweeter flavor. Uh -huh. So those that have tried the frost kiss artichoke will often tell you that the frost kiss artichoke actually has a better flavor component than one that hasn't been frosted. Yeah, it may not be as pretty, but it tastes great. Yeah. So for people who are trying to who are shopping for artichokes, how do they know? Like, what are your tips for picking a good fresh artichoke? How do you know it's still good? Like in and hasn't gone bad well you know artichokes in the in the grocery store when you pick it up off the shelf um, you want to be able to, to hold it by the stem and usually if an artichoke is a little bit dehydrated the stem will be a little bit rubbery so if you hold the the, the head of the artichoke and then you have the stem in your other hand usually if you if you move the head there won't be too much flex between the stem it won't have a, a rubbery appearance you can also hold it at the, the base of the artichoke and squeeze it just a little bit. And usually you'll hear a little creak. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that really uh, reflects the point that it's, it's fresh. It has a lot of turgidity. And so it, a, a turgid crop is one that's retaining its, its moisture. And so you can really, if you've ever um, had a, a head of lettuce and you put it into your refrigerator, uh, without cover and you go back the next day that outer leaf is kind of dehydrated it's lost its turgidity yeah. but if you actually take it off and you run it under water you can recrisp it mm -hmm. and that's very similar to artichokes again artichokes are an immature flower bud and so you can freshen them up by actually trimming the end of the stem and putting it in a glass of water and the artichoke will rehydrate mm -hmm. and it's fine just ready to eat good to know so it actually came up in in the tour today, someone was asking the question, which I thought was a great one, does it matter if the leaves are tightly bound to, you know, or or looser? Mm -hmm. And we learned that it didn't really make a difference. It doesn't. Uh, it's, it's all about consumer uh, preference uh, and the cosmetics of it on the shelf. I think that some may think that an artichoke that has a little bit of spread uh, may not be as good as one that doesn't mm -hmm. and it's it's a false rumor they're both very good they both have the same flavor uh, it's just one that may have been on the plant a little bit longer than another one uh, but there is nothing wrong with it and you know in the produce world we kind of call that the the brown banana syndrome right. is that it, it deters you from buying it but at the end of the day, a brown banana is a lot sweeter than a green one. Mm -hmm. um, and the same thing with the artichokes, that you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just a cosmetic difference between the two. Okay, so what's your favorite way to enjoy the artichoke? Uh, I'm, I'm a longtime fan of uh, steaming them and eating them with mayonnaise. Uh, however, I have gravitated more towards uh, grilling them. Mm -hmm. And so the way that I like to do it is cut it in half and steam it for about 30 minutes and then uh, scoop the, uh, the choke out, so the fuzzy material on the inside, 
and then put some uh, olive oil and uh, garlic, salt, and pepper, and then grill it alongside a tri-tip or steak, and it really elevates that dish. Oh, that sounds so good. Oh, we have to talk about artichoke's cousin very quickly, the cardone. Oh, the cardoni. Or cardoni. Yeah, tell everyone about this vegetable because not a lot of people know about it. So cardoni is a long-lost cousin of the artichoke. And if you ever see cardoni growing, it looks exactly like an artichoke plant, but it has no artichoke. Uh, and so cardoni is actually harvested in a similar fashion to celery, uh, where it's cut and then trimmed like a stalk. Mm -hmm. And then the stalk is eaten. It's uh, blanched uh, and within some salt water, and it can be chopped up and put in pasta uh, and or eaten just chopped on the side of a plate. It's a very interesting vegetable. Um, it has a, a different flavor. Uh, it's really found only at certain times of the year, generally uh, in the uh, winter time, right around the holiday period, uh, end of October, November, December, uh, and right around the springtime, it, it'll go out of season. But it is, it's, it's a long lost cousin and very few people uh, know what it is. I, I've, I've been wanting to try it, so hopefully one day. <laughs> well, well, we'll get you some. Thank you. Okay, so I know artichokes can be intimidating for some people. So I was really excited to learn about the value-added uh, product lines that you guys are working on. So could you tell everyone about that? Sure. So uh, our job uh, is to de-intimidate the artichoke. <laughs> so we want to reach consumers that um, don't know how to eat an artichoke or have not tried an artichoke in the past. And we want to deliver a, a product that's easy to cook uh, and has a flavor component with it. And we've, we've been working on you know, different value-added methods. Um, we're not into the, the marinated artichoke. Uh, you know, that's something that we've done in the past. Um, but we really want to deliver an artichoke experience in a very short period of time to those artichoke lovers or to those that haven't tried an artichoke. And really, that don't know how to cook it, we want to take that off their plate for them. We want to be able to say, okay, this is, this is how you prepare it and this is uh, what the expectations are. So um, for people who do want to try artichokes, you guys are shipping via Gold Belly. We are. How is that business doing for you guys? It's doing well. Uh, initially, we, we launched uh, our partnership with Gold Belly mid-pandemic. Uh, and it got off to a little bit of a slow start, but it's, gener it's generated steam. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> um, so it seems like the East Coast and the West Coast are your primary artichoke lovers. I'm hoping that the Midwest will catch on, especially now that it's available via Gold Belly. But is there anything else new in the horizon? Well, we, we look for ways to, to deliver our products uh, to, to our consumers. We want people to recognize that you know, the Ocean Mist brand has a lot of value. Uh, and we as a company uh, share the values of many. We want to be able to provide uh, food uh, that matters to you know, all of our consumers out there. And being able to deliver artichokes in a method that you know, takes the, the intimidation away is what our thought is. You, you recognize that the Midwest is an artichoke desert. Uh, there are few that have eaten an artichoke. That's the home of the deep fryer for, uh, for most. Yeah. Uh, but you know, artichokes have a lot more to offer than a baked potato. 
And so we, uh, we really want to get those artichokes out there to those potato eaters. Yeah, everyone, order some. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, your centennial is coming up. It is. I'd love to know, is there a way that you would like to see Ocean Mist celebrating this celebration? Well, uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, we're all working together for, for shared success here as we uh, near our 100th anniversary. And uh, we're all working to, to make a difference and provide foods that matter to our consumers. Uh, we want our consumers to recognize that Ocean Mist is, is much more than uh, a brand. You know, there's value that, that comes with uh, Ocean Mist Farms. We want people to know what we stand for. And we want people to know that, you know, we're stewards of the land as growers. We want people to know uh, that you know, our employees are you know, family-oriented, just like the folks that are, are consuming our products. And as we get close to 100 years, we really want to enhance the flavors of our artichokes. We want to enhance the flavors of our vegetables. We want our foods to be an experience. And that's what our goals are. Well, I have to say thank you so much for hosting me these past two days. I've really enjoyed my time. But before I let you go, I have a few closing questions. Sure. Okay. So what's something that you make when you're too tired to cook and you need an emergency go-to dinner? Oh, I usually don't make it much, much past the Girl Scout cookies at that point. <laughs> okay, which one, though? <laughs> oh, they've got to go with the Thin Mints. Yes. <laughs> um, what's the one recipe that you treasure the most? Oh, I love pork chops and scalloped potatoes. Yum. With an artichoke. Of course, of course. And how is the artichoke prepared? Steamed? Steamed. <laughs> With mayo. Yep. Um, are you a messy cook or a neat cook? I'm a neat cook. I'm a neat freak. Are you really? I am. Yeah. Oh. I mean. Oh yeah. Your it. office is spotless. I have. And you should see my pickup. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's a good kitchen tip? A good kitchen tip: clean up after yourself. Yeah. Every week, I try to share five little things. Something that made me smile that week. Is there anything that has made you smile this week? The fact that you all came by and some of you tried artichokes for the first time. Aww. <laughs> It was fun. Thank you so much again. Where can everyone learn more and find Ocean Mist artichokes? Oceanmist.com. Easy enough. Thank you, Chris. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. Likewise. Thank you. I'm so glad you were able to join us on this episode of Kitchen Confidant. Thank you again to Chris Drew and the team at Ocean Mist Farms for hosting me in the artichoke capital of the world and for joining us today on the podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for more info, and I'll be sure to link some wonderful recipes and resources so you can cook artichokes in your own kitchen. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to subscribe, and I would love if you could rate it and share it with a friend. I hope you join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking. Happy cooking.